so we are in a series called Hallmark. Don't just leave a legacy, live a legacy. And if we're going to live a legacy, then we need to actually live and, and not just, not just exist. We need to have a passion for life. We need to have a zeal, if you will, for life and enthusiasm about what God is going to do in and through us. That needs to be our attitude. That needs to be our attitude walking around every single day as followers of Jesus Christ. We want to follow him with passion and zeal. In Colossians 3:23, it says, whatever you do, Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not onto human masters or not onto men. Whatever you do, do it with all of your heart. The NIV uses the word heart. In other translations, it uses the word heartily. It says heartily. The word heartily actually means from the soul. From the soul. I mean, you just start thinking about those words. From the soul. We need to live with passion. We need to live with zeal. From the soul. You say, what does, the, what does soul mean? Soul means life. It means life. Every experience, every, every, every bit of our human experience, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, every aspect of our human experience, that's what soul means. That's what soul truly means. It means life, every part of our life. Paul saying that we have to pour everything that we are, everything that we have, everything that we do into serving Christ. First and foremost, number one, that's all that matters. Jesus is everything. He is everything, every area of our lives. We need to serve him with that kind of attitude. We need to be zealous. Our goal, right? Our goal should be to become more like God. That's our goal, right? To become more like God. That's what the word of God says, that we want to become more like him. Well, God describes himself as passionate or zealous, he described throughout the Old Testament, you hear it all the time. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this or he will do that. Zealous. Jesus is described as zealous in Isaiah fifty nine seventeen. It says this. It prophesies about him for he will put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he will put on garments of vengeance for clothing and will clad. We will be clad with zeal as a cloak. If our goal is to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. If our goal, if our desire is to live a legacy, we need to live with zeal for the things of God. We need to have a passion and a zeal for the things of God at all times, through all circumstances, regardless of what we're going through. You know, it's amazing. People are passionate and zealous about a lot of things, right? We're, people are zealous about their relationships. They're passionate about their relationships. People are, 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 are passionate about their work, their desire to succeed, right? To, to, to be the best. They're, they're, they're passionate about their hobbies. They're passionate about their sports. I mean, it's Super Bowl Sunday, right? 
A lot of people are so excited about Super Bowl Sunday, they don't even come to church. They're getting all set up. Even if they don't watch the game, they're excited about it. How many of you have actually had a Super Bowl party and not watched the game? There you go, right? Right? You're passionate about it because you're going to hang out with your friends. You're going to build relationships. So you're passionate about your sports, even though you're not going to watch the sport. You're just going to hang out. And here's the thing we always have. We always seem to have the time, energy, and money for the things that we're passionate about. People say, well, I need that. Well, I don't have the money for that. But you have the money for what you're passionate about. The real question is, are we passionate about the things that truly matter? Are we passionate? Are we zealous as followers of Jesus Christ about the things that matter most? Are we passionate about Jesus Christ? Are we truly passionate? Are we zealous about the things of God? What God calls us to be excited about? What God calls us to be enthusiastic about? What God calls us to be passionate about? Are we passionate about those things? Remember I said last week, if, if it's not about Christ, what is it? It's a big load of poop, right? That's what it is. That's what Paul says. It's not me saying it. Paul says it's dung. If it's not about Christ, it's dung. That's what he says. So are we, are we passionate, honestly? Yeah, now, you can bring Christ into your sports. You can, honestly, you, and I'm not being funny here. I have watched the Olympics or watched great athletes doing something, and I have worshipped God. To see God, to see to see God who has created these athletes and what they're capable of doing. I worship God watching someone do something amazing, whether it's an artist or whether it's an athlete, whether it's someone who does some kind of hobby that they do, but they're so good at it. You just look and you praise God for their giftedness. You can bring Christ into any of these things. They're not wrong, but Christ should be first and foremost in everything that we do. And that's how we leave a legacy. That's how we we live a legacy. We should be so passionate and so zealous about our Christian walk that we basically dare our children to keep up with us in this life. Don't wait till you're gone right now. You should set such an example through your life and the zeal that you have for God and the passion that you have for God that you literally challenge your son or your daughter to try to even keep up with you. That should be, it should be a gauntlet that you throw down and you live in such a way with so much, with so much enthusiasm for God that your children, they want to be a part of that relationship. They want to experience, they watch you and they want to experience what you experience. Now I know some of you are thinking that I used to have that zeal for God, but somewhere along the way I lost it. So for the next few minutes, for the rest of our time together, I want to talk about three things that will help you regain that passion and that zeal. I want to talk about just a couple of things, three things that will help you regain that passion and that zeal to live that life for Christ. First, we need to draw on the power of God. We need to draw on the power of God. That comes from inside. Zeal comes from within. It comes from the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. I want you to kind of feel this, if you will. It, it, it comes from the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, we know that his blood covered us. But I like to think of it 
that as, as covering us, yes, because that's the foundation. But I like to think of his blood flowing through my veins. He lives in me. The risen Christ lives in me. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ flows through my very veins. His blood covers me and his blood flows through me. And that's how I live my life. We need to live with, we need to live with that kind of passion and zeal. It comes from the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit of God from the very presence and power of the Spirit of God that Jesus left for us living through our lives. What we're talking about here is keeping ourselves constantly filled with the Spirit. You say, well, how do you keep yourself constantly filled with the Spirit of God? How do you do that? Well, you do it moment by moment. You yield moment by moment to the leading of the Spirit. Moment by moment. Not, not year to year, not month to month, not week to week, not even day to day. Moment to moment. Every circumstance you find yourself in, whether it's through your sports or whether it's at work or whether it's interacting with people in your life, moment by moment you are, you are asking the Spirit of God to guide and direct your life. Moment by moment. Paul challenges us because what happens sometimes is we go through life and we we draw on other things to get us through. And so Paul challenges us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. I want you to finish this sentence for me. Man, I just kind of, I have had the worst week. I've had, I've had one of the worst days of my life. I really need... Right. But what do most people really need? I need a drink. I need a drink. Right. I need a drink. Because, you know, you've gone through the worst day. What else do you need? You need a drink, right? You gotta, you gotta get, take the edge off. You gotta, you gotta kind of numb yourself a little bit. You, you gotta get through the night. You gotta get, you know, get enough sleep. You gotta get yourself in. Instead of, instead of saying, I need the Spirit of God, the power of the resurrected Christ, the Spirit of the living God in me, I need that moment by moment and drawing on that, I need, I need something else. I need something else. We don't need something else. At this point now, some of you are fading. Some of you, if you will, kind of fade a little bit. Your mind is drifting because you're saying to yourself, you've been sitting in church for years, maybe 40, 50, 60 years. And you're saying, oh, man, yada, yada. You know, this sounds like a bunch of Christians filled with the Spirit. It sounds like a, some Christian jargon to me, right? Read your Bible, pray, pray, and be filled with the Spirit. And so you're kind of fading. And here, here, here's what I want. Here's what I want. I want you to listen for just a moment and see if I can recapture your attention. Recapture your attention. Because I'm telling you, we, we as a body of Christ have been, I don't mean this church, I mean in Christianity, we have been absolutely robbed of our, of our heritage. We've been robbed of true faith by some watered-down gospel that has no power, right? We've been, and it gets get you emotional, gets you whatever, but it's a watered-down gospel with no power. And if you're younger here this morning, I was watching as we were worshiping, and there were some younger people just, they were just worshiping God. Listen to me, don't let the adults around you steal that passion from you. Don't let them steal it. And if you've lost it, you need to get it back. 
and set an example for the, the younger ones. We need to live with that kind of passion. Not this, oh yeah, read your Bible, pray a little bit, fulfill with the Spirit. There's so much more to the idea, to the concept, to the theology, to the truth, the truth, okay, of being filled with the Spirit that we don't have because we live out this religion, going to church, just kind of sitting here, going to the motions, living a life of mediocrity. Someone has basically infused this life of mediocrity into you as a Christian, and that's what you're living out. And you are being robbed, and I love you, and I say this out of love, you are being absolutely robbed of your heritage, of your spiritual heritage, of your inheritance from God. You've been robbed. And this morning, I want to somehow shake you from your spiritual mediocrity and realize, wait, there is more to this than I have been experiencing. I have been held back. I've been in bondage. I've been robbed. I've been lied to. And I need to break free and actually listen to what he's saying this morning, because this is the word of God speaking to every single individual in this room, in this room. It is more when I say being filled with the spirit of God. The Spirit of God coming upon you. There's more to it, okay, than just the catchphrase. There's more to it. Those who truly are seeking after God realize that they are being robbed of something. Let me just give you a few examples from Scripture of what happens when the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon people. Something transformational happens in their lives should be happening in their lives. It should be happening when the Spirit of God comes upon someone. We overcome our enemies. We overcome the challenges that we face in our lives, regardless of what challenges they are. We have the power of the resurrection Christ in us. We have the power of the Spirit of the Lord in us. And we overcome the challenges of life. Let me share a few examples in Judges chapter 3 and verse 10. It says that Othniel was able to overcome and defeat the king of Mesopotamia. Othniel was the younger brother of Caleb. You know Caleb. Caleb's a man, right? Joshua and Caleb, they went into the promised land and they were checking it all out. And when they came back, ten of the spies were acting like most of Christianity, if you will, whining and complaining with no power. We can't take on those giants. We feel like grasshoppers. Those who are filled with the spirit of the living God never feel like grasshoppers. Why? Because they have the power of the resurrected Christ living in them. And they know it. They know it. We don't know it. We, don't, we are being robbed. You are being robbed. I don't care if you've gone to church for the last 60 years. Some of those 60 years, you may have been robbed all of your life of the truth that I want to share with you this morning. So that your, the scales may fall off your eyes and you can truly live out what God has for you. Othniel defeated the king of Mesopotamia because he was a man who was filled with the spirit of the living God. In Judges chapter 14, verses 5 and 6, it says, The spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. Let me read this to you. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Tore it apart. It came roaring toward him and he tore it to shreds like he would tear apart a young goat at a meal. 
That's what happens when the spirit of the living God comes upon someone. Giants don't stand a chance. Lions don't stand a chance. Enemies don't stand a chance. Fear doesn't stand a chance. Lies don't stand a chance. Experiences from the past don't stand a chance to a person who's filled with the spirit of the living God. First Chronicles chapter 11 verses 22 and 23. It says this, Benaiah, son of Joadah, a valiant fighter from Capzeel performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down an Egyptian who, had, who was five cubits tall, seven and a half feet tall. Although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club, snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. You see, that's what happens to the giants in your life when they come up against a person filled with the spirit of the living God. That's what happens to lions when they come up against a person who's filled with the spirit of the living God. That's what happens. The enemy knows it, so they want to lie to you to keep you in mediocrity and keep you in bondage so they can just stomp all over you and make you feel like grasshoppers. We felt like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That's what the ten spies said, and two of them said, Are you joking? Are you joking? We have the spirit of the living God in us. Whenever I read those passages, I think, I think of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Guess who he doesn't devour? People filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because people filled with the Spirit of God tear lions apart with their bare hands. They crush, they overcome, they dominate the giants in their life. I'm not talking about seven and a half feet tall giants. You know exactly the giants I'm talking about in your life. Those people who put you in bondage years ago with their evil, their evil experiences they inflicted upon you. You don't have to live out their lives. You don't have to live out that experience. You can live out the power of the risen Christ in your life. And anyone who tells you different and any voice in your head that tells you different is a lie from the pit of hell. A lie. A lie. And we need to start living out the truth and stop living out these lies. Now, I want you to get a pen out. I want you to get your phone out. I don't care what you write this down with, but I want you to write it down. Because I share these verses and people say, yeah, that was a long time ago. And, and uh, that was Samson. He was a hero. And that was this guy and that guy. And uh, I, I, I could never do those things. That's not the same. It's not the same. I want you to write down 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 6. And this is what it says. And listen to the words. And the spirit of the Lord will come upon who? You. Say it again. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you. So the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon what? Me, right? The spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you shall prophesy with them. Okay. And shall be turned into another man, another person. Do you understand what this is saying here? It's talking about you. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you. And you will become another person. I looked this up because I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't taking anything out of context. I wasn't taking anything and just pulling it so it would fit into what I was saying. It literally means what it says. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. You just say your own name 
and you will become a different person, a different person, a different human being. The power of God can reshape your entire existence. And then in verse 7, it goes on. It says this. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds for you to do, for God is with you. Whatever your hand finds to do, right? Work at it. What did the Bible say in the very beginning? In Colossians, work at it with all of your heart. Work at it with all of your heart. Why? Because God is with you. God is in you. God is surrounding you. God is flowing through your veins. So whatever you do, whatever your hands find to do, do it. Because it's going to succeed because God is with you. My friends, this is a remarkable expression that we have right here. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you shall prophesy with them and shall be turned into another person, another man, another woman. You shall be, that is a remarkable statement. It's only found here in the Bible. Only place it's found. The only place it's found. It's not talking generally about some other heroes of the Bible and what the story was in their lives. It's talking about your life right here in 2019. It's talking about you. It's talking about me. It describes the change of in mental power and energy that, that, that results when you have an influx of the Spirit of the Lord in someone's life. It describes all of that. You become a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come you are literally another do you understand what i'm saying here you are another person you have the power in you to become you another person what christ has done in your life has given you the ability you are you are not given you don't have to if you've asked christ to come into your life you are another person the problem is the thing that's bugging me all week is you all don't realize it some of you don't realize it You don't realize it. You're living in some spiritual mediocrity, some spiritual lukewarm soup. And you don't even realize it. That's why I was saying to you younger ones, don't let people lie and tell you that Christianity is a religion. It has a few rules and it's boring and blah, 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 blah. That is not true. They don't even know what they're, even Christians sometimes don't even know what they're talking about. You become a different person. The only, the only reason we don't see the transformation in our lives is we don't even realize it because we've been sold, we've been sold this. I always tell you this, what you win people with is what you win them to. And you've been sometimes won over by this lame, wishy-washy, watered-down, easy-believism Christianity. And so that's how we kind of go through life. And I want to shake and wake us all up this morning and say, that is not true. That should be done. What is true? First Samuel 10, 6, you are a different person. You are a different person. When the Spirit of God takes over someone, they are no longer controlled by the things of this world. The old has gone, the new has come. The, the events, the experiences that once controlled them, control them no more. They have no power over you. No, there, there are no giants big enough for you not to defeat. There are no lions strong enough for you not to overcome. There is no enemy that you cannot put down. Why? Not because you're so tough, not because you're so spiritually strong, but because he is. 
And he lives in you and the spirit flows through you. And that is the truth that the enemy doesn't want you to understand, doesn't want you to hear, doesn't want you to leave here this morning and study and read about and try to understand because I'm only, listen to me, I'm only scratching the surface of the reality of what I'm talking about here. And the enemy just wants to keep us in this lukewarm, mediocre life that is controlled by the events and circumstances of our lives and just live in a, a, in a world of defeat. It's just you can't overcome this. The, 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 the best that you can do is just live out your life and hope somehow that it's not worse than it was in the past. I mean, for goodness sake, we're getting robbed of our birthright here. We're getting robbed and I can't take it. I'm surrounded by people that I absolutely love to death. People that love God, God loves more than you can ever ask or imagine. And he sits and he must be overwhelmed by, wake up church, wake up, wake up. You have so much more. You have so much more than you've been sold. You have so much more than you've been told. This series is called Hallmark. Don't just leave a legacy, live a legacy. And for weeks, I have tried so hard to avoid the idea of Hallmark. Because some of you, when I say Hallmark, think of the Hallmark channel, right? Right. Yeah. And you think of 25 Days of Christmas and all those movies, right? Well, this morning, for the first time, I want you to think about that for a moment. Okay? Because the reality is there's a theme that runs through those movies that I think we can all glean from. That we can all learn from. And that theme is what really matters, right? Because what happens in almost every single movie? You see one, you see them all. But we keep watching them, right? We see one, you see them all. And here's basically the theme of the movie. He or she goes from the big city, right, back to her small town or his small town. And they realize, they realize, they, they, realize, they begin to understand what is most important Love and relationships. And that is so, that is so true. Biblically, it matters. What matters is who you are, not what you do. What matters is who you are, no matter where you are. Big city, small town, go to school, homeschooled, public school, whatever, where you work, you work at P&G, you run your own business, you work for someone, doesn't matter. What matters is who you are. It's who you are. If you think about this, if you succeed in every area of your career, but lose your family, what what have you achieved? If you if you reach the pinnacle of your career, but in the process, you lose your family, what have you achieved? Helen Hayes, I read the more I read this, the more I really appreciate it. Helen Hayes, who's a Broadway used to be a Broadway star. She said this. My mother drew a distinction between achievement and success. She said that achievement is the, is the knowledge that you have studied and worked hard and done the best that you can. Success is being praised by others, and that's nice too, but not as important or satisfying. Always aim for achievement and forget about success. I kind of, I understand her point. I really do. I, as I read it more, I really, I understand your point. We need to allow the Holy Spirit of God, we need to allow the Holy Spirit of God to change our way of thinking, to change our very thought process. We need to, we need to be less concerned, honestly, 
you and I, and I'm going to say this over and over and over again, because if we don't grasp this, we're going to be stuck. We have to be less concerned of what everyone else thinks and more concerned about what God thinks. We should be only concerned about what God thinks. We should live to an audience of one. I say that, it's easy for me to say, and really hard for all of us to do. We need to live to an audience of one for an audience of one. That one is God. It doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. It doesn't matter the philosophy of this world. It doesn't matter what the world calls success. All that matters is what God calls success. If the world thinks I'm successful, but God and my family do not think so, then what have I achieved? What have I won? What is my legacy? What is my legacy going to be if God doesn't think that I have achieved? God doesn't think that I am successful. When the the power of the Holy Spirit consumes us, the life that we once lived is gone. When you are consumed by the power of the Spirit of God, the life you once lived is gone. He turns you into another person. He turns you into a different person. I want you to say this, okay? I want you to say, I am another person. Oh, yeah, whatever. Stand up. You need breath in your lungs, okay? You need breath, okay? Don't you listen, listen, listen. Listen to what I'm saying, and I want you to repeat what I'm saying. This is what God has said to you. This is the truth of God's word. You say, I am another person. person. Say it again. I am another person. person. Now you can sit. That was a little more enthusiastic, okay? Because you need to believe that. That's what you need to believe. The old is gone. The new has come. What you did in the past, if you've asked God to forgive you, it says, I have separated your sin as far as the east is from the west. So even if you came to Christ and you've done whatever it is you've done and you think my life is over, it is not over because I am a new person when I ask Christ to come into my life. But the cool thing is, the awesome thing is, every single day I can become a new person. The person who's up here preaching today, hopefully in three, five, 10 years, you'll sit back and kindly say to yourself, you know, I really appreciate what he had to say five years ago, but man, the depth that he's sharing now, the insights that he's sharing now, because why? Because I'm a different person, renewed day by day by day by day. I'm a different person day after day as the Holy Spirit, as I continue to learn and I continue to grow. I have the foundation that God has transformed me into a different person. I need to realize that. I need to own that. I need to grasp that. I need to live that instead of living out lies and mediocrity. I need to live that. And then every single day, I need to say, if I've made a mistake, I can be a different person tomorrow. If I made a mistake five years ago or 10 years ago, God has forgiven me for that. And I'm going to live my legacy and leave not a legacy of what happened in my past. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. It doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. 
God is a God of renewal, constant renewal. Ask for forgiveness and he will forgive. That's what happens, my friends. That's what happens. The old has gone. The new has come. The person you once were is no longer. When you gave your life to Christ, you became a different person. And that's what happens when the spirit of the living God is in you. The only problem that we have is we don't realize it. We don't realize it. We don't realize it. And so we live for years in this religion instead of realizing the power of the Holy Spirit of God that can flow through us. If your faith is real, if my faith is real, we have the power. Listen, listen. if our faith is real, we have the power to reshape, to reshape our thinking. We have the power to reshape our habits. We have the power to reshape our perspectives. We have the power to overcome our fears. We have the power to break free from the chains that hold us in bondage to our habits, to our temptations and sins. We have the power in us right now to do all of that. The only problem is we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. And that's what I can't take anymore. We need, to, we need to study the word of God and we need to go into the depth of its truth and realize who we truly are, who we truly were created to be, the gift. We say we have the gift of God that comes through Jesus Christ. Yahoo! Until you, unless you live it out. They're words, they're, but they're not just words. They're not just words. When Jesus Christ left this world, he gave us the Holy Spirit. You know what he said? You know what he said? Here's what he said. I'm going to leave the Spirit with you, and you'll do even greater things than you've seen me do. Are you joking? That's what he said. He must be lying. The way we live sometimes, I don't talk about you just personally. I'm talking about Christianity in general. The way we live, we live like he's a liar somehow. Where's the power? Where's the expectation of the miraculous? Where is it? We've been robbed of it and we're living in mediocrity. That's what it means, my friends, to live with zeal, to live with zeal for God. My thoughts, my actions, my goals, my desires are changed. They're, they're, they're literally changed. Listen, you begin to want. That's not the best word. You begin to expect. You begin to expect a faith that moves mountains. When's the last time you expected God to move mountains? When's the last time you expected a God, your, the God that you worship to restore relationships? We need to expect that God is going to do whatever he needs to do in our lives for us to fulfill the purpose for which we were created, to live out our legacy. We need to have the expectation that our God can do all things. Nothing is impossible for God. For us, maybe things are impossible. For God, all things are possible all things are possible and we need to overcome our giants and we need to crush the lions in our lives and we need to whatever it takes to get to where God wants us to be. And it's right there for us to take. We just need to expect it. 
If you want, this is number two. If you want to live with passion and zeal, then you need to ask God. For some of us, we need to ask God to reignite our passion. We need to ask God to reignite our fire. We need to go to our God. We need to knock on the door. We need to spend time. Listen to me. Spend time with him. I don't care if you have to take time off of work. We need to stop for a moment. We need to sit down with the word of God and allow the spirit of God to speak to us. The greatest roadblock to experiencing what I'm talking about is the fact that we're so busy. Satan has us so busy. We can't spend time with God. He's not able to speak into our hearts because we can't hear him. We need to go him to go to him. We need to pray to him. First Thessalonians 5:17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray constantly. Pray in the car. Pray before you go to bed. Pray when you wake up in the morning. Fast. Take some time to fast. I'm fasting once a week. Fast, fast once a week and spend that time in prayer with God. Even if you go to work or no matter what you're doing, you're praying with God. Colossians 4, 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. James chapter 5 and verse 16 tells us the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. Go to the source of your power and boldly ask him to reignite your passion. And I want to stop for a moment this morning and I want to sing. I want you to stand with me and I want, I want to do just that. In this song, don't just sing the words. Listen to the words. Watch the words. Sing from the top of your lungs because you're asking the Holy Spirit of God this morning before you leave this place. I want to ask the Spirit of God. All of us need to ask the Spirit of God to reignite our passion. Ah, sit down if you can. Sit down if you can. One more point here. Third, we need to follow. Listen, we need to follow in the footsteps of passionate people. Think about people who've truly influenced your life spiritually for good. Think about those people, how they've influenced your life and follow their lead. Follow their lead. The wrong people have surrounded some of you. For most of your life, not by your, some of, a lot of, not by your own choosing. They have surrounded you for most of your life, but that doesn't mean that you're destined to be like them. That doesn't mean you're destined to be like them. Like I said, it doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. You need to break the cycle. You need to surround yourself with people who are on fire for Jesus Christ, who have a, a zeal for God. Carefully choose the people that you place around you and that you choose to follow and interact with. In Proverbs twelve twenty six, it says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Follow people who are on fire for Jesus Christ. You surround yourself, be next to, put yourself next to people who follow Jesus Christ, who have a a fire for Jesus Christ. Fire spreads, fires spread. They look for other flammable objects. You ever start a fire in your life? Get some sticks, put a log right on top of them. How does it work when you light it? One log, one log. Same fire. 
Pile other logs on top. Stack them up. Let them lay next to each other, next to each other, next to each other. And they are ablaze alone. We're a wimpy kind of fire. Together we burn brighter and we burn hotter. You need to put people in your life that are on fire for Jesus Christ. They will seek you out. They will ignite your fire as well. We need to follow people who challenge our faith, who challenge us, will not let us live in a a life of mediocrity, will not allow us to live that way. They will push us. They will challenge us. That they, they, the people we need to surround ourselves with people who drive us forward, who constantly are driving us forward, and who have the guts and the courage to walk through that fire with us. That's who we need around us. We have a men's Bible study that meets every Wednesday over at the Orca Center at 7 a.m. Every Wednesday, 7 a.m. Join us if you're a guy. Join us and we will come together as logs on a fire and we will burn brighter and we'll burn hotter. Put yourself next to people who are on fire for Jesus Christ, who are passionate about God. Proverbs 27:17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Get next to those people who, who kind of rub men who are constantly sharpening your edges, preparing you for battle. Be around people who are on fire for God. Stand next to, get next to people who are willing to charge into the battle and not hide from the battle. Great leaders don't just tell you what to do. They show you how it's done and then they dare you to follow them. They dare you. In 2 Samuel 23, 8-12, it says this. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Joseph Basabeth, a Tekemenite, was chief among the three. He raised his spear against 800 whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dodai, the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastamim for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand was grew tired and froze to the sword. You, you can't. This is awesome. Did you ever, you ever hold something so tightly that your hand was frozen? I have. It literally, you have to do this to unfreeze it. Your hand, your muscles, everything get frozen. He was in this battle. He was fighting. He was so intense that he grew tired and his hands froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Hararite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. They fled. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. We need to stand next to people who have a passion and zeal for God. And we not, need not stand next to people who only come back to strip the dead. 
who run away from the battle. Surround yourself with people who are on fire so they, let you, they light you on fire next to them, next to them, stand next to them, be around them. People who are on fire, people who inspire you to be the best that you can be, to be more than you are. People, people who will not allow you to stay in your comfort zone. People who want more from you sometimes than you actually want for yourself. People who are not afraid of battle. People who don't allow us to live our lives with excuses. They will not allow you to live out your excuses. The people that you surround yourself by won't allow you to live out your fears. The people who you stand next to will not allow you to live out your lies. Those are the people we need to stand next to. They want us constantly to be our best. They challenge us not to live out our excuses but to live out our purpose. We need to be next to people who push us to be our best. We need to be around people who inspire us to live out our passion and our zeal. Bow your heads with me. My God, my Lord and my God, I pray upon each one of these people and the people that are listening, Lord God, I pray upon them the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray more than anything, God, that you would just move, remove the scales from their eyes and let them see who they are. Let them understand their birthright. Let them know that they're different people and that not only are they different people when they came to know you, but they can change every single day. I pray, dear God, that we would not any longer live out the lies that have been implanted and woven into the fabric of our lives, that we would we would let the light shine on the darkness and that the darkness would flee and that our chains would fall from our from our from our arms and our legs, Lord God, the bonds that once held us would no longer hold us, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, come down and infuse each person's life with your truth. And that's how we would live as individuals and as a church. Enough mediocrity. Enough lukewarm. Enough casual Christianity. Enough religion. We are indwelt by the spirit of a living God. The blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross flows through our veins. The Spirit of God has indwelt each one of us. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Lord God, I pray all of that truth on this church. God, may we walk out of this place. May we walk out of this place with a renewed sense and reality of who we are. Crush the enemy from our lives. Lions are no match. Giants are no match. Because of what Jesus Christ has done and because of the Spirit living in us, we will do greater things than we can possibly ever ask or imagine. But we have to have the courage we, need to have, we have to have the passion. We have to have the zeal 
of the Spirit of God living in us. Use us, we pray. Use every bit of us. We bow our knee to no one else. We bow to nothing else but you, God. Nothing else but you. Because you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our obedience. You are worthy of our lives. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we pray all these things. And all God's people said with, with passion, amen. Have a great week. I love you.